Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Talk Busy with Lizzie podcast. I'm your host, Lizzie, and as you guys know, we are currently going through our foster care series. So May is the month is May is foster care awareness month, and so I wanted to bring awareness just to what goes on in the foster care system to people who probably don't really know. Um, if you're anything like me, you I probably know a little bit now, but. A little bit ago, even just a year and a half ago, you might not have known exactly all that goes on in the foster care system and because you've never gone through it. And maybe you are someone who's gone through it and you know the ins and outs and you have a story to share. If you have a story to share, please share it. Share it with people. Help people to understand. Um, there's so much power in stories. If you have any interest on coming on this podcast, DM me on Instagram. Um... I would love to share your story to some people. Um, Anyway, that is the goal of this podcast series is just to bring awareness to what goes on to people who might not might not know a lot. Um, I came into this not knowing pretty much anything, but wanting to work with kids in foster care because that's what God has put on my heart. And so I reached out to people. I put something out on TikTok. I talked to friends. And so I started to get a a little list of people to interview for the podcast. And I've had one friend on. I've had some people that I met online. And so, and then I've also, coming up, have a couple people who have organizations that help kids in foster care that will also be included. But today's woman, just like all, I've talked to all girls, just so y'all know. I've talked to all girls. And all these women are amazing, powerful, have such good stories. And I'm so, so, so grateful that I got to speak to them. And this woman, she is, she emulates God's love. Um, You're going to see that a little bit at the beginning of the episode because I I started recording while we were just having some small talk and she is just so encouraging so encouraging she looks out for other people so much and so I am so so excited to get out her story um we also do have a plan to talk a little bit more to get some more information out at some point together I have to um get some stuff together to do that but I'm so excited for you guys to hear her story and you I I can tell you right now when you listen to her you are going to fully just feel that God's love and encouragement emulating from her uh it's it's so cool how she how just to someone interviewing her on a podcast that she was able to do that so I'm very very excited for you guys to hear from this just absolutely amazing woman and so I like I can't even explain to you enough how excited I am for you guys to get to hear these these stories and I think that it can bring about some really really great change and I mean that is the whole whole goal 
for this for this podcast to bring about change to empower people to share their stories um and to just continue to encourage people and show God's love just like this amazing woman is is doing and so without any further ado sorry (laughs) I'm talking a little slower without any further ado let's get Mahogany Jewel onto the podcast my my god niece actually she's the sister of my foster daughter who because I was able to foster she was one who sent me your your link she was like hey I was like okay all right kid I got you (laughs) so so I just believe he's gonna use you Miss Lizzie Kanzler to blow up you know don't don't even worry about what don't worry about your following. Just worry about sharing your passion. Aw, thank you. Well, um, I, like I said, super excited to hear your story. Um, I was so happy when you reached out to me. Um, and so I guess we can just dive right into it if that works for you. Yeah. All right. So you are, you were in foster care and you are a foster parent, correct? Yeah, well, I, I fostered once. I'm not licensed in Texas because I moved from Cali to Texas. Got it. Um, so I think that there's a whole process where you'd have to go through that again yeah. for the state. But I did get licensed. I It was one of my dreams coming out of foster care to be a foster mom. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the Lord was like, do it now. And I'm like, but I'm not ready. <laughs> and so I ended up doing it for a young woman um, who I had known and, and been an auntie to for, yeah. since she was six. And so when when the opportunity arose, I'm like, okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> we'll struggle through this together. Yeah. I, I love how much, like, I can see your heart for God and just the moment you got on here to now. So I think that is amazing. Um, my first question is how long were you in the system for? Okay. So, uh, we were taken, I was taken, I want to say that I was seven. So I, for the majority of my childhood, actually, so I, we were taken from my mom at seven and then I graduated, um, from, or graduated, I graduated high school and then emancipated from the system when I was 17. So, yeah. Wow. So 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. And you said we, so were you with siblings then? Well, I lived with siblings for the first couple foster homes. Um, and then once um, my mom's rights were completely terminated. They separated us, or at least they separated me from my brothers. And then later they separated my brothers. How, how did that have an impact on your time? Oh girl. So I'm definitely going to go start cutting up some salad. <laughs> We're going to be here for a minute. So listen, <laughs> so listen, I, I actually have been doing a lot of work for the last seven years. Um, I, it, it was, it was very hard. Um, and specifically, did it start to burn? Yeah. Oh, so sorry. Okay, so I'm just take it out and move the microphone. Yeah. See, I told you I was. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You're all um, good. <laughs> Actually, this is all I wanted it to be brown, so maybe then I thought it'll be it'll pull it off. Okay. Okay. So, basically, it was it was very hard because the home that we had went to um, was actually a temporary home. I didn't know that at the time. 
Um, and the four minutes. Okay. Let me know when it's done. That makes me feel better because at least she can eat. I'll do the. I'll put the, uh, away the rest of the dishes. I mean, the food when I'm done with this. Okay, mom. Okay. Okay. So. Um, we had wound up originally with my step grandmother, um, and then that didn't work out because she didn't, she didn't have, I was sleeping on the floor. She didn't have all the, the tools that she needed. Um, and there was just a lot of issues with that, but anyway, so my first, the first home we actually moved into that was from someone else was a family from her church and it was dope. The, the, my foster parents name this is so this is such a cartoon mary and gary okay <laughs> and they had everything that a kid a kid could desire and my my mom had suffered from mental health issues so she just uh part of what the issue was that she neglected to take care of us because she didn't have the capacity to mm -hmm. so when we get here they've got like swing sets in the backyard they're very involved i'm in the garage the foster dad's teaching me how to sand stuff it was very very cool and I want to say that we were there, I want to say it was less than a year, but I don't really remember the time frame. I just remember I loved it. And then um, at, then they were telling us, oh, we can't keep you guys. And um, it was because they were having marital issues. But, but on top of that, it was because my mom's rights had been terminated. Mm -hmm. They thought they were going to be hosting us for a little bit. And then we would be transitioning back to her. And then when her rights were terminated, they were like, oh, we can't do this long term. And... Then I went into like hell. It was like the worst foster home ever. So it was very traumatic for me. I lost my brothers and then I went into the worst home. So it was just like, yeah, oh, people cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted. Wow. Yeah. They, they, they have good intentions, but so there's a lot, there's a lot there. Yeah. Wow. Um, so if there was one thing that you could tell everyone about the system, what would it be? I, now that I think about it, I wish I'd have asked you to send me these questions because I have so much to say. In fact, if you still can send me the questions, I yeah. can send you more of a response. Okay. But just off the top of my head, what I want people to know is that it is a broken system filled with broken people and broken providers. Most of, not that there were not good homes, but most of the homes that I came into contact with, um, were financially driven for the assistance. I didn't learn anything. They didn't, they didn't, they were not, in my opinion, they were not invested in teaching me how to be a good human or um, a good community member and providing me with the tools that I would need to be self-sufficient. Um, but I was very good at chores. So part of what I, what I got was like, oh, okay, people, um, are doing this for the benefit that I can give to them. And so I learned how to be a servant yeah. in this, in my upbringing, but I didn't really learn how to connect with people, how to share like who I was or, yeah. um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's a broken system. I also did, uh, my master's program, I did, um, a paper called the emancipation dilemma and so from the time that i was in the system to the time that i that got out there's just there's a lot of purported it's all about the kids and this is the stuff they need to be successful and and even the way that the delivery of the systems was was broken mm -hmm. now mind you i'm 44 i think <laughs> 
<laughs> I think I turned 45 this year. So um, there's a lot that has changed. And I, I learned that when I became a foster mom. Nevertheless, there's still the delivery issue. I found this, there's still mm -hmm. that same issue. There's all these broken system. I mean, broken or um, let me not say broken. There's a lot of people trying to fill voids, but there's not there's not a cohesive system to make sure the delivery of uh, the services um, is smooth. And so a lot of people fall through the, the cracks. Um, when I was when I was in grad school, I realized they had a lot of these same things in place. But when I when I graduated high school, like legit, the only reason I went to college is there was nothing like I thought I was going to be kicked out on the street. They, they didn't tell me that there was um, possible housing available. They didn't. It was just like, this is it. You're done. You're 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 taken care of and you have to get out. So I was like, OK, so I guess we're going to college. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Um, There's a lot of good. Oh, I was just going to say, so something that I've noticed, like, with talking to people is just, like, the lack of, I guess, knowledge of resources. Is that what you would say? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, so disjointed would be a great word to use. So there might be people who do this, this, and that over here. And there might be some people who do this, this, and that over there. But whether or not all of those resources are then provided to the foster care parents or their children. It depends on how good they are at connecting with the community services and making, you know what I mean? Yeah. How, depending on how good they are at sharing their resources, communicating what's available and getting that in front of the right people, you you may have a great idea and nobody knows about it because they don't know about you and your, your business or your, your offering. Yeah. I've like, even just cause like I said, I want to, I want to go into like helping the foster care system and I've wanted to like volunteer at places and just finding like different places to help and like organizations just as someone looking to like donate or volunteer. Even that's difficult to find. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, bringing that together and, um, like, getting those resources out to people is you, you know what's funny i i feel led to share i did find because i i did start when especially after grad school started following a bunch of foster care advocacy groups because i was like i want to that advocate and then i was like well i don't yeah. know if i want to because I'm, i don't know if i want to share my story yeah. there is still willing to do yeah. but um one of them that i thought was amazing it's called a sense of home now i believe it's los angeles based i don't know where you're at but they may have spread out. There may be other uh, places that they uh, have popped up. I'm not exactly sure, but they yeah. help foster youth who have emancipated when they get their own apartment, like furnishing. And there's um, a now that I know anything that I that I feel led to share, I'll just I'll just share it with you. Like, hey, check yes, this out. Check this out. Yeah, people can even duplicate things that are already out there if it's not mm -hmm. in their community. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and that's what I've like. I want to start like an organization in some in some manner. I don't know exactly what it's going to look like because I've still been really praying about it. But um, I know like at first I was like, oh, well, I want to do something, you know, never been done. And then as I've been like learning more, I'm like, well, actually, like there are things that have been done, but they're not done in this area. And like you can 
and you should like look at what other people are doing and help like help in those ways if it's not in your area and that kind of thing so i think that's a really important point like i just like to share with you on that thought like it doesn't matter how many people are doing it god has put something specifically in you that's going to hit different yeah so you doing something that 12 other people are doing and there's something about you that's going to shine so i'm not i'm not worried about that <laughs> i literally like, Lord, give me some ideas i'm like oh i didn't even think i i'm over here giving you ideas and i'm like lord are you talking to me too because i'm like that could be done out here sorry girl go ahead go ahead no i love it i love I'm it i'm derail this conversation i promise you so let's <laughs> stick to your questions i i I'll help us. Go ahead. I love it. Um, and so my next question is, how do you feel like like trauma from the foster care system manifests in your life now, if it does anyway? So um, I don't know if you are. Are you an undergrad? Is that mm -hmm. are you? Yeah. Yeah. OK. Have you heard of ACEs? Yeah. First child. OK. So I have a ton of those. <laughs> and um, Realistically, um, it took me about seven years of therapy just to get through a lot of the complex trauma, right? Because so if you don't deal with the situation and then another one comes, you're building complex trauma, right? Yeah. Um, so the biggest thing that I feel like I'm still battling now, even have, after having gone through seven years of, of therapy, is distrust for people. Um, I'm very cautious, very wary, um, and learning how to not attribute negative uh, characteristics to them off top. If I see them do something that reminds me of someone else, mm -hmm. you know, um, I've gotten really good at building community. I just wasn't really great at first, um, but I learned that I needed that. And I think that's what's made me as successful as I am. Like, I'm not as disconnected as a lot of people that I that I'm I know of, um, and even people that I've researched. But yeah, for me, it's it's trusting the motives of people, and not necessarily attributing um, greed to them at every turn. Because, mm -hmm. like I said, I was like, oh, y'all just y'all just here for the money, so that would impact everything. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, mom. Is it good? Go ahead. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Um, my next question is, has the system been positive at all? I, I actually have to say yes. <laughs> and that's a hard one. I mean, hard fought for. Um, I had a negative view of the system the entire time until I got to grad school. And then I realized, like, because now I'm an adult and I understand our, our best intentions are to, you know, to give our all. But because of a number of different factors, you can be trying to do your best and still fall short of someone else's needs. Right. Um, so. The good, the good aspects. There were some good homes. They, they, I believe that those parents took the training seriously and then that they, they did their best to, um, you know, welcome us into the home and try to make us feel like family, even if they didn't fully know how to do it. 
right? Um, one of the good things that I can say now, not necessarily in my experience, but now they've broken down some of the obstacles for family members and even friends of family to be able to come into the system and receive the same kind of assistance that a random stranger would. Right. And so yeah. I, they have this whole continuum care reform going on now that I am, I love specifically because now they understand with all of the, the articles that are out there that a child really only needs one consistent adult in their life, someone who cares about them. And so um, that before they didn't care about that. They didn't want to, to pay your family member to take, take care of your children if, if you couldn't. So yeah. I would say the fact that they're able to change that, that that's very good. And um, I believe it, it points to the ability for the system to grow yeah. positively. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I was like, it definitely shows that like there is ability to grow and that um, we should be, I guess, pushing for it to grow in more ways. Uh, well, that's the other thing. They're also training people better. Now I know because I went through the, the training. Um, they're requiring more things for parents who are coming in to to learn. And I think that all of that specifically um, teaching parents trauma-informed care mm -hmm. is key because a lot of people got their own trauma they've never dealt with and then they've got these kids who are traumatized who are triggering them and they don't know why they're now yelling at these kids you know so yeah that is I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that yeah um I work for or I uh like help with a TikTok for a adoption agency in uh Washington State and um, I just did a whole series on the TikTok talking about TBRI training. Um, and as someone like wanting to go into that kind of thing, it was really interesting like to learn about it myself and then teach others about it was really cool. I'll have to find you. You have to, you have to send me the link. I'll follow you okay. on, on TikTok. Will do. <laughs> yeah. uh, my next question is, have there been any organizations that have helped you personally? I'm just going to be honest. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you're talking about specifically while I was in care, right? Because there's two answers to that. Let me let me go back. Uh -huh. When I was in care, no, I do remember there was one entity, one group, and I don't know if it was an outside community organization or if it was a part of the the system. Mm -hmm. the, the I think it was Tulare County, um, but they did try to teach us how to do a few things. Like they were trying to teach you how to write a check. Um, they were supposed to teach you how to cook. There was a few things that they were trying to do, but again, because of issues with the delivery of services, like I think I turned 17 before I graduated. Um, so I was 16 as a senior. And so I think they had a system where when you were 17, they would refer you to these mm -hmm. independent living program services, and then you would start to learn them before you emancipated. I had a, like four, and then I emancipated. So yeah. it could have helped me maybe if I had gotten into the system, if they had, you know, recognized like, oh, she's actually getting out before she's 18, you know? Yeah. So, so I'll say there, so, so there was a spark of a something, but really no, because... It, it 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 wasn't retained and it didn't really i'll just say there was there was a spark of something there was a spark of something yeah 
but um, when I was a foster mom, there were a lot more access uh, to resources. I did get connected with a couple community organizations that helped me to get like a bed for her, a dresser for her, things that um, I couldn't or I wasn't eligible or couldn't purchase myself because I wasn't yet an approved foster parent. And so I wasn't receiving the funding. I actually had my daughter for about a, a year before I got approved for funding. Mm. It was crazy. Mm. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. 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 And yeah, that sounds, I mean, so you were fostering her a whole year before you ever got the funding for it. In fact, I don't know if you, I think you did ask this before, so I'm just going to slide it in there. You can put it wherever you want. Sounds good. But um, one of the biggest issues that I actually ended up going to the state to, con, um, I don't want to use the word complain, but to advocate for. There uh -huh. you go. Um, it was the fact that um, when I had her, I had her for the whole year because she was a, um, I'm, I'm going to say special needs. I don't know how to say this word. Um Okay, so she was a trafficking survivor. So I couldn't, I couldn't put stuff up on my my Instagram and be like, "Hey, we need help with this," because it was another form of exploitation, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was like I couldn't ask for help. So there was there was barriers for that um, from these certain things, and then because um, of the way that I got her, the emergency placement, and having and because the the um, the agency didn't properly refer us over to the services so we could get so I could get licensed quicker mm -hmm. I ended up having her for a whole year so um by the time I got approved went through all the courses and whatnot um, my first check wasn't going to come in to assist us until February so by because of her specific situation I couldn't leave her at home even though she was older and so I wasn't able to go to work in the way that I could have had it been a different kind of child. And so I was doing stuff like care.com to bring in funds, but it wasn't enough. And then I got an eviction notice. Um, I ended up fighting it. So it's not on my, my record or anything like that, yeah. but uh, because the landlord, and there were other issues. His, his brother managed the place. He didn't like me, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately the management was able to say, no, I don't want to receive this funding from the commu a community. The one, same one who gave us the bed was able to and willing to pay for um, the rent um, or the portion of the rent that I was lacking, but they wouldn't accept a third party um, provider. And I was like, oh, you want to, oh, okay. So this is not about, okay, I got it. And because of that, there's a lot of people who could be assisting um, children who are put in bad situations, or it just it's just an element, another layer of of bureaucracy. Like if they had been able to release the check to me, I could have given it to my landlord. There would have been no issue. But because there's this guard, and and for to a certain degree, I understand, right? Some people they don't know what you would do with it but they weren't able to pay and assist us in my, my foster family because of that, that bureaucratic obstacle. You see what I'm saying? So, yeah. Anyway. Wow. That's, that's crazy. That um, <laughs> um, I know you touched on this a little bit, but I have a feeling you'll probably have <laughs> more insight. Um, how do you feel that the system needs to improve? Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I literally feel like 
I, I gotta review it. I have to make sure I had my thoughts together because I was dealing with some ADD at the time, but yeah. I might show my, my paper because there was a lot of stuff. So, so number one, the, there needs to be a national foster care system, period. There needs to be a basic, even if the, the federal government allows the states to implement certain things in their own way, right? There needs to be a base. There's a welfare system across the board, and then everybody does what they do with that that baseline, right? Mm -hmm. There is no national foster care system. And when I realized that, and I didn't realize that until I was in grad school, I was like, what the hell? Like, this makes no sense, yeah. right? And we're a country that purports to care about children, huh? Like, how is that, how is it disjointed then? Um, because you can't, you can't set an, a standard for services if you don't have a baseline that you hold people accountable to. So that's number one. Um, number two, I believe that, that on uh, federal, state, and local levels, they need to be better at, um, because if, you, if you're a company and you have to provide a, a money, you have to pay for a license and whatnot, then there's a system already in place that knows what your business is, what your services are, who's, who's your clientele. So that same state should be able to be like, hey, you look like a, a service that this system of ours could benefit from. Let's put you into this so people can access you and know what is available. So really something close to like a, a state business directory specifically for services that could partner, right, with the foster care system in that state or in that locality, right? Yeah. Um, outside of that, um, continue training, uh, let's just stay with the trauma, trauma-based care, because I know that there's a lot of things that people are pushing right now that um, I don't necessarily agree with, but I do, I do believe that there um, needs to be events for people to go to that gets them outside of their confined group to, 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 to bring more awareness to, to people who are not, who may not look like them that have, that have similar experiences. Right. Um, so I would, I would add that to the training. I would also, I would also, um, suggest I do, I have some ideas um, for the emancipation of women. That's what I call it. Right. Cause when I emancipated, it was a whole struggle. So um, what I would suggest there, I have this huge, this whole idea where, um, and different people could do it in different land localities, right? I really need to write this down. So you might want to share your recording with me. But anyway, okay. um, one of the things, and you because there's a lot of people who are homeless right now, so it's like a huge buzzword. Yeah. But one of the things that I found in my studies um, in, in the about foster care is that there's about 400 plus K people emancipating from the system. Let's imagine that those people are like me or worse and they didn't get training. They don't have skills. They don't know how to connect to people or even to um, ask for help to seek uh, services that could help them, right? You've got these people being poured out into their community and they don't know how to be community, good community managers. They don't know how to build anything. They don't have, know how to connect to anyone. And so um, I had this idea where you would get like land 
I don't know if you've heard about the tiny house movement, but I love it. And, um, and it's kind of like this idea kind of is taken from Habitat from Humanity, right? Where they take a family who needs a home and then that family helps them to build a home with the help of other volunteers. Well, I'm like, the reason why a lot of people are disconnected from their communities, they don't care how it looks or how it's impacted is because they don't have a stake in it. So imagine we had tracts of land in different parts of the country where someone who was coming out of the foster care system um, who was would have been homeless otherwise has the ability to come and help build a tiny home that they then get to stay in, that yeah. they then, you know what I mean? And then each of these tracts also have um, like a large house on the, the track that provides medical services. You can have farmer's markets there. There's training that they can get there. Ways to kind of circumvent anything that they may have missed in um, any services they may have missed that, that could have helped them in foster care. Now that they're emancipated and responsible for themselves, they can still access it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I would be thinking of like little communities like that, that wouldn't, it's like a model for those who emancipate, but it could be used for the homeless. It could be used for mentally ill. It could be used for whomever. It could just be, right? Yeah. Um, but that would be, I think that would be an awesome way to, to facilitate um, these kids who are coming out, who are right now thrown into rental units and they don't know how to take care of anything. Like they're getting, mm -hmm. they're getting the money now for themselves to take care of themselves up until like 21 or 23, mm -hmm. which I do think is a blessing, but then there's still no one teaching them how to manage their money. They're managing a whole household now, but because of their issues, they may have 20 people coming to stay. It's just, you know, so yeah. um, it would provide like guidelines, but then also make them feel independent, you know, and then still give them access to community. I just think that other community building things or community connecting ideas similar to that would be very helpful for the foster uh, care community because um, community is the biggest thing that they lack, you know what I mean? Or the ability to access community. Because they're they've been snatched from theirs, placed in strange places that they don't know. They don't know how to build a rapport with these new people for the most part. Yeah, I think that's something that I've thought a lot about. Of um, I, I feel like my heart is truly with like kids who are like you're saying emancipating out of the system. Um, my my aunt has taken in. Uh, I love you. Thank you. My aunt has taken a few kids that I don't know that they necessarily like emancipated out of the system. I don't know that they were ever technically in the system, but they didn't have someone to turn to once they graduated well, she's high school. She just didn't get paid for it. Yeah. Amen. Pretty much. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so ever like I look up to her so much because that's just where my heart is. And um, I've talked to some people um and uh i think it's so important to teach the skills in order to like go into um uh, like adulthood i guess um because i mean i am fortunate to have two parents that have taught me a ton of things and i'm so grateful for that and um i don't like i know that if i didn't have them i would be so lost right now um, and so I think it's so important to have those like different like skill trainings. Um, yeah. 
So I love what you're saying. Um, I have two more questions. One is, how has your experience in the system affected you as a foster parent? Oh, it, okay, so because I knew what the system um, was like, I knew that I was going to have to uh, advocate harder. So I, I, I was a big mouth, like I said, which is why I ended up, like, I would email I would, I mean, not just, not just the social worker. I would email her boss. I would email, like, I knew to look up, okay, everybody's getting this email. Somebody's going to help us right now. Like, so it helped me to advocate for my daughter, um, in a way that I don't, I would not have had I not had that experience, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. Um, that you like, I, I think it's so important when we learn from things in our past and like, just advocation has been something that, um, like, or advocating, I guess that's advocacy. the proper Advocacy, yes, yes, thank you. Um, it's just been something I've learning, like, in my social work classes, like, the importance of it. Um, so I think that, like, it's, it's just such an important thing. And the fact that, like, your daughter got, like, she had you to do that for her, I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so my being able to like prep her, um, because she was a runaway when I, we had an agreement. I was like, listen, um, originally I felt like she just wanted to be like with other families and I was able to tell her, Hey, listen, I know why you might want that, but I can tell you that even if this is going to be difficult, cause our relationship changed because I went from being anti Momo and she loved me a bit and was able to call me when she was hysterical mm-hmm. to now I'm the parent. And so that was a hard transition for us. But I told her, I was like, listen, I love you. And so you know that that if I'm doing something, I'm doing it because I love you. But these other people, they may not necessarily care about you in the same way. And they might not know your your quirks. And so they might be a little bit less um, gracious with you. And so we did get to a point where she did end up everything that I told her she experienced. And so, you know, we're still connected now, but it's like being able, having been through that experience allowed her to be prepped for it. And so at least she knew like, oh, okay. What auntie was saying was, was right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, I'm going, don't, don't judge me. Go ahead. <laughs> um, how do you think that, um, someone just like a regular citizen who isn't necessarily a foster parent or anything like that. How do you, how would you want, I guess, want them to help with the system? Okay. So now I, I don't believe that there's stuff like this everywhere, but the reality is especially new foster parents, just like when a, a family becomes a new, uh, parental set right and their family their their community brings them food it they're like we'll help with babysitting like if there are community programs that allow people to come in and volunteer and then go into those families to provide the the community like the village that a lot of people have but that some don't right i think that would be the most beneficial because a lot of times what I understand is that people have this idealized uh, version of what life's going to be like 
they're going to be, they, they've got a heart like you. They've got a heart like me. They're going to step into it and they're, it's just going to be great. And this, they're going to bless this child. And they don't realize like there's, this is actually work and that dealing with people's pain is, is hard because it forces you to deal with your own pain. Right. So you have to have some, some, you have to have a handle of your own stuff. Right. And so providing those people with either three free therapy, <laughs> three free, free uh, services like art. Like I remember there was one day and it was only one time, but it was so amazing. They had provided for um, foster parents to come and just do it was like like those art sip, sip, sipping, sipping paints. Yeah. Right. But obviously there was no sipping. They, they provided coffee or whatever, but it was just that. <laughs> And then they had someone showing us how to do it. And I, at first I was just like, okay, well, but I want to paint, so I'll go. It was so relaxing. You, we don't even know sometimes what we would find relaxing because a lot of times people haven't given themselves the ability to be a kid, yeah. right? So anything that provides support, not just to the children, but to the new foster family, I think would be beneficial for the children because at least while they're struggling to find a, a new normal, like that's really a hard time for everybody involved and you could inadvertently cause more damage, making someone feel more like, oh, I don't belong here simply because you didn't know how to deal with your emotions through this initial change period. So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, thank you so much for sharing uh, your story. I'd love to talk to you further at another time. I thank you so much. It was amazing talking to you. You can also send me questions on... Um, well, actually, I don't know how to do that. Oh, are you on Telegram? Okay, listen, because I was going to say, if you join Telegram, because this would be the easiest way, but um, you could ask me questions and then I could respond okay. voice message. I think it gives you the ability to like record 10 minutes at a time. And then that oh. way we could keep the conversation going. But then, yeah. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. I'll see you, you later. Too. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so, so much for listening. Again, I am really looking forward to being able to share some more of this lady's story. I'm so, so grateful that I got to talk to her and that I get to share her story with you guys and that you guys just got to hear and feel the joy and love of God through her. Like it was just, it was so evident to me when I got to talk to her. So so excited that you guys get to hear this episode. I have, this is what, the third episode, so there are four more in this foster care series, and I am so excited to be able to get them out to you. So, I am going to go work on those, I guess. <laughs> so, I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. I will see you guys for next week's episode, and God bless.